world events unravelling and many of us once again rethinking how we can reapproach our new normal. Today, we'll be diving into things you should know about our changed new world. I'm Colin Day, Managing Director of EMEA, and you're listening to Octopost's original discussion series. Ladies and gentlemen, it's podcast time again. And on behalf of Octopost, I'd like to welcome you all and thank you for tuning in to this original podcast series brought to you by Octopost. My name is Colin Day, and it's my pleasure to be your host. On today's episode, I'd like to welcome Zev Brodsky to the conversation. Zev is the content marketing manager at Perimeter 81. Perimeter 81 is a cloud and network security company that's developed secure remote networks based on zero trust architectures. Um, Zev, the technology, I believe, um, from, from my research, replaces legacy um, security appliances such as VPNs and firewalls. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Excellent. We, uh, so, yeah. so, Zev, welcome to the conversation. And is there anything else you want to add to that introduction? Because uh, I probably kept it a little bit too tight for you. No, it's, uh, it sounds great. I'm really excited to be on the show um, and talk about content today. Um, yeah, so we're a we're kind of a in the place of re, uh, security appliances of VPN. We are Permini One is a is a SaaS solution that helps companies enable secure access for their employees to their cloud uh, cloud net and, and infrastructure resources and networks. Um, and it's a very all all in one platform product. Gotcha. Where did the name come from? Um, so because perimeter is about how the perimeter is dead because initially with uh, network security, everyone was really accessing to one network, one corporate network in an office. And now we're living more in a perimeter less with everyone with their devices and everyone now, especially working from home and working remotely. So there is really that idea of how there is, it's a perimeterless uh, world. And 81 is actually, is the army unit where our co-founders uh, in, met in the Israeli defense, defense, force, defense forces in Israel. Gotcha. So it's not the year they were born. No, no, no. They're, uh, I th- and I think it's, they're more towards 86, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I was 71. Not, well, I looked <laughs> 71, but I mean, I was born in 71. So, so Zev, look, with all of the experience that you've got in content writing and managing marketing strategies across various sectors from cybersecurity, where you are now, to to fintech, to, to other SaaS-based organizations. How have you seen content, the content that you've been rolling out over the past couple of years, how have you seen that change? So I've, the biggest change I've seen is the quality. I th- initially, I think the whole idea of content is skin came out and people were just like pushing out content and they weren't really seeing, pr- they weren't providing the value. It was very SEO. It was very, you know, just to get a link there and get, you know, high in Google search. But now you're seeing where companies and marketers are really pushing the envelope when it comes to the quality. And, and they're really, you're seeing that in different forms. If it is, you know, visual, if it's example, like a podcast, if it is webinar, if it is, uh, you know, lead gen kind of content where it is like eBooks and, um, you know, case studies example. Um, additionally, I'm seeing content is more targeted. And it's the whole idea of sending, writing content just to see if, you know, the general crowd were, if it relates to them. That whole idea, I think, is you're not seeing as much. You're seeing it where people are trying to reach their the buyers, and they're really gearing that content towards them. Where really, you know, 
get, reaching those, the kind of what they're looking for and those keywords that are really gonna, you know, uh, put a light bulb in their head, what's to say, and kind of seeing, oh, let's, you know, let's go down the funnel. Let's go, you know, I want to learn more about what these people are writing about, and you know, and the whole idea of moving down to the next step in the process, you know, okay, they're writing about, it's like you said, we write about zero trust, like, hey, let's see what, you know, what their, what their next step, what they're offering, or let's, let's you know, let me download an ebook or a white paper to see, get a more in-depth uh, about that kind of content. Um, and also, companies are more adding more visuals inside the, inside their blogs, inside their white papers, um, inside, especially, you know, social media as well. It's the whole idea of plain text. I think it's kind of slowly dying out. We need to really add that, add the visual, something to catch their eyes. You know, if it is an infographic, if it is a video, if it's a, it's a cyber company that really, you know, shows you, gives you a how to, how to work this integration and provide that, that additional value. What, what do you difference. see the the logic and reason behind that, Zev? Why what you know why why are we all going more visual? I think we are we don't have a patience to really read a eighteen hundred word, uh, and I think we want to see it very quickly and gather information as soon as quickly as possible. But even that with that idea, you're still seeing people blogs are very successful with with great like time on page. And because the idea is people are just skimming, they want to see the main points, they want to get those points, and then move on. Um, I think it's that people, again, with like video and visuals, you know, I think also in podcasts, you know, where you can, while you're working, you can just listen, get and gather that information while you're doing other things. It's not, you know, that you want to have to sit down and take a 20 minutes to read a full article or read a full white paper. You want to really get your information as quickly as possible, get the key points and then move on and then move on to the rest of your day. Gotcha. I'm, I'm sure technology has a uh, huge role to play in all yeah. of that. And we'll probably get on to that um, yeah. later on in the podcast, right? But um, yeah, um, you know, what I'm really hearing there is, is, um, you know, right, right message. Yeah. Yeah. Through the right channel at the right time. So it's when I want to consume it, how I want to consume it and what I want to consume. Right. Yeah, totally. It's really, Kind of designing the content for where the user, where the potential uh, reader is going to be based, where they're where they're getting their information, what kind of what kind of style they want to how they want to consume it, and really just gearing it. So, example, if it is a fintech, like you said, then there is on a fintech publication that you're pushing your uh, a thought leadership. Let's say the CEO of your company is writing an article about uh, about the industry, and really getting your getting your audience there. Or if it is right, you know, on a social media on a a quick video of how to video or or it is if it is like a quick you know quick webinar about like you know a minute quick webinar where you're providing the main key points where so people don't you know spend the whole hour of their day we're getting those information i think is just getting those as much information where the people are located and as quickly as possible so that they can take the information and see the value behind it gotcha so, Zev, when you were doing your, your introduction earlier on, you were talking about people working from home, right? So yeah. that's something that's certainly changed in this, uh, this lovely new world that we live in, yeah. right? So, you know, employees today are more mobile and, you know, shall we say more remote than they've yeah. ever been before. And for some organizations, that's certainly not going to change anytime soon, right? So, you know, put on your security hat for me a moment, right? What implications does this present to marketing leadership and what are some of your recommendations? Okay. So from a security side? Yeah. You know, so really, security yeah. and, and as you're uh, thinking Mark. about, you know, if, if, if you were the CMO for the day, 
right? And okay. knowing what you know about security and knowing that you've got this huge workforce now, you know, off-site, remote, um, in, in their home office, what, what, what are some of the challenges and what are some of the, uh, the implications and, and thoughts that you could, you could bring to the table? Okay, so from a security side, companies really should be sure that their teams, that their marketers are actually connecting securely. Um, from, a lot of hackers are easily attacking uh, people you know, people that are not usually the classic target. And so need to make sure that they're connecting to a secure network and that they have the right security hygiene. That means people should not be using the same password over, you know, multiple more than once or have a password manager. They should be, you know, if they're connecting to the personal device, making sure that it, if the company provides a security tool that it's, that it's authenticated and it's connected. Um, from a manager, from like a marketing, um, with people working remote, I would, my, one of the best tips I would say is, you know, let them own their tasks. Don't, you know, don't present micromanaging. I don't, you know, it's really, I think it's tough for people to micromanage from a distance and I let them own their tasks and, you know, help on the way, you know, there are, you know, you can do that through like productivity like tools, like, you know, with zoom and Slack and, um, you know, money.com or Asana, something like that, where you really can work together to get those tasks done, but give those, employees the opportunity to really own their tasks on their own, and on their own time. You know, I think before the whole nine to five, that whole idea is kind of, especially in startups, it's kind of dead, but I think it's even with remote, like let the people, you know, work their hours and show that their productive productivity go up when you provide them the opportunity to, to work when they want to work and not just work that classic nine to five or nine to six or in startups, 12 to 12. <laughs> 12 to 12. We all know that one. Hey, so <laughs> What's, what's the culture like at um, Perimeter 81 from a work from home perspective? Um, you know, what was it like before the pandemic? You know, what's, what's it been like during and, and as we're starting to push on through what's, what's happening now? Okay. So before we were very out of the office, we have, you know, office here, I'm based in Tel Aviv and we have New York and also California. Um, you know, we had like when needed, we could work remote and also, you know, going to conferences, trade shows, and meetings, you know, you, you always, you know, you had that opportunity so you can work on the go. Um, so with COVID, we all, entire company right away moved remote. Um, so right at the moment, we are in, right now in a hybrid model um, because the cases in here in Tel Aviv have gone down. So we, you know, we've opened the idea of, you know, try to come twice a week or two times or three times a week to try to be more work as a team and more face-to-face -face to be more productive. Um, and the U.S. is still, though, on lockdown, though. So we are, you know, we, we were strong believers in the hybrid model and, you know, being, and it can be successful if done right. And I think, you know, for when we're so far, we're doing it right. Gotcha. So just um, flipping back to the security implications and, and taking that line of thought on a little, what implications does security and remoteness have on the content that you're, you're putting out as a marketer? So because everyone is, was, was or still is stuck at home, they have more time to read and take in that, take in that content. You know, so the whole idea of actually taking different budgets, for example, as a marketer. So there are no security events anymore. There are no big trade shows. There's no more meetups. Take that budget and use it on different kinds of content, uh, content um, initiatives. So example, if, if it is webinars, it's your panels where, you know, you're, doing, let's say, for example, on Bright Talk, kind of doing a panel discussion. Um, if it is content syndication, which is, again, reusing, taking the white papers and eBooks that you wrote 
and putting it on popular publications and creating leads. You know, it's another great way. Um, also, there, it, there is example podcast. There's another way to take, you know, more content and, and just provide them more. It can even be long, more long form blogs as well and really creating more content that gets to people's eyes because now we're all stuck at home. You know, that, uh, that time that we potentially, if you took a train or you took a bus to work from reading, now you're just, you know, you wake up, you go online. So you have that, I think with the whole situation is that you have more, like readers have more time to, to join webinars, read longer form content and really educate themselves. So that's, I'd say is my key, the keys right now to what's, you know, how, to, how marketers can change their ways of now that the most of their audience is stuck at home uh, and having more time to actually uh, read in uh, the content. Gotcha. So you mentioned several different assets there, right? You mentioned yeah. podcasts, you mentioned webinars, um, you even mentioned like, you know, long form articles. What marketing assets are you seeing have the most effect, um, the most engagement right now? And what do you put that down to? to? So um, what I'm seeing most right now is industry webinars. You're getting like a lot of, you know, a lot of attendees. Um, you're seeing a very engaging, you're getting, you know, I, I would say you were seeing at least 50% more attendees and more, you know, people actually, actually joining. Um, and also what I would see is very marketing wise case studies, you know, with now people, um, they're actually want to learn more and see how people have this specific same use case as them, how they're using your product and how they're succeeding, you know, how, how that some, let's say it was another bank or if it was another, another healthcare company, how they used you to, to gain, if it is, let's say, example, compliance or how, how they to do a secure network, like that's an example with us, is how they used your product to gain to, for their use case. And see, looking something that's familiar because, and then, so those are, I'm seeing very successful. Again, also targeted long form blogs and long form and targeted uh, um, thought leadership pieces on publications are working really well. Um, how, and how do they attribute? I think it's just people, again, like I said, people have more time to read. And people have more time to really dig deep and see, you know, what, what are these companies offering? Do they fit our budget? Do they fit our use case? You know, do they potentially have a partner? Are they partnered with a company that will make it easier process for me to, you know, get my boss to say, okay, we're already using A, a and B, you know, they're a partner with them. Let's, you know, we can easily bring them on. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Zev, I know that I am in the presence yeah, of greatness when it comes to <laughs> podcasts and podcast royalty, because you host your own podcast or you host the company podcast, right? Beyond the yeah. perimeter. What's the background to the show? And, you know, what are some of the recent conversations that um, you've had on, on, on your podcast series? So it's a security podcast. Uh, uh, I'm hosting it and every week I'm bringing on a different person to interview who's a security expert. And it's all about learning their experiences and their insights, you know, in their journey in the security world. So example, um, I've, I've interviewed a ethical hacker, a whitehead hacker who was, used to be an ex hacker, which was a great, uh, in idea of learning how, why he's, you know, why he switched, uh, interviewed a chief information security officer at a startup. And also I'm recently, I've also interviewed a security, person who's an expert in security hygiene is really like what we discussed before about making sure employees are working, you know, more securely, have more secu like a security mindset. And it's all about really just spreading the word about how people, you know, can work, work more securely and how people can join these industries and, and gaining, and gaining the insights from the experts. 
Um, the idea came from myself. I also include, you know, I talk about usually a, a data breach, and then I also kind of give a security tip. I end it with a security tip of the month. Gotcha. So, question for you: What was the number one thing that you took away from the white hacker, the efficable hacker? What was the key learning? So the key learning was, and I don't know why I dipped my voice then. It's like I mean, it was <laughs> as if I was trying to do a dirty little secret. But you know, what, what was the key the key takeaway from your white hacker? So uh, the key takeaway was none of us are safe. You know, nice. even just a, I think it's we're at, to what level you that you're safer than the person next to you. I think from the understanding what I got from them was, you know, all of us are can be exploited in some way from a hack from when a hacker is hacking us. But if we have, you know, the right tools and, you know, that will help us a little, but it's still, again, we're all, we're all unsafe at some point. And we've got to win every time. They've only got to win once, right? Yeah. We, we need, we need, yeah, I would say, yeah, they only need to win once and we need to, you know, continuously changing the ways to make sure that we're safe. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and that's so applicable to all of the technology that, you know, that we use in our personal lives or our professional lives, right? So it's, you know, we're susceptible anywhere and everywhere. So if we look at the MarTech stack, right, which is something that uh, is important to, to both of us in our jobs, right, the, the amount of technology that you have in the stack these days, therefore the, the amount of, you know, passwords, et cetera, that uh, you need to manage and, and, and you know, take along with you um, is, is eye-watering. So, Zev, how do you measure success with inside your marketing team at Perimeter 81? And how should success of our content be measured? So when it comes to content marketing, success is, is how, how much is the reader engaged and what steps are they taking next in the funnel? If you're writing content that the reader, you know, people aren't clicking on it, people are not staying, you know, there's a quick bounce rate, you're not engaging the readers, you're not getting them to, to fill out a form, to get, you know, download an asset, to continue down the funnel, or people, you know, you get them in the funnel and then they just kind of, I say nicely, they ghost you, and then they stop responding to any of your thing, messages, or you get out, or you get quick unsubscribe, then that's not successful. Really, when you get readers to engage with your content and to really, you know, start going more, reading more content on your site, and then also getting to the next the next kind of the middle like the middle funnel content and then after that the lower lower funnel content then you know that then you successfully you know you're doing content marketing um it's also again it's you need to be providing value about educating educating readers if you're just like i said before putting out content to try to you know get in readers and trying to get another funnel you need to provide them that value that, that they want to stay on and that they won't just you know like leave after one click Yep, gotcha. So the, the the key thing there, right, is what's the role of marketing? As a as a marketer, what's what's up what's our role? What's our what's our job for that within the company? And that seems a little bit uh, facetious, right? But um what is yeah. the role of a marketer? In in my opinion, it is you're you're bringing in potential customers and slowly warming them up, ideally not so slowly, and keeping them in keeping them in and really getting them interested about your, about your market activities your, and your content and then getting them to potentially say also do a demo. So it really are, you're really warming up these potential, potential uh, customers and really getting them to the point where they actually are interested in your, in solution. Um, that's, 
That's it. It's in a nutshell. Like it is. Yeah. No. No. So to me, it's to me, it's increasing shareholder value, right? By yeah. by you know driving um, you know people along a journey. And you talked very eloquently about that content journey, right? And how yeah. that helps take someone through the funnel, right? It's yeah. it's not it's not just about one thing, right? It's not just about brand. It's not yeah. just about demand. It's it's really how do I take all of that together? Yet yeah, have an integrated campaign strategy that ultimately drives shareholder value, whoever the shareholders may be. May be. Yeah. Exactly. Like you said, it can be like, you know, on the branding side, if it is the PR, yep. if it is, if it, if it is uh, awards, if it is by uh, thought leaderships, and if I'm the lead gen, if it, you know, it is the PPC, it's really everyone's working together as one in the one goal, no matter what position you're in marketing, at the end of the day, your ideal, you're, you're warming up leads to become customers. Yep. You you know, you've got it. It's just very uh, hit the nail on the head, or as one of my colleagues would say, the nail on the nose. But um, I think we're making up analogies there. Um, so, so Zev's like, um, you know, what role does social play um, as a channel in the modern day marketing mix? So, in my opinion, as I used to work in social, um, I still think it's the face of the company. You know, when people are seeing people are seeing your company, your brand. If it is on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere, this is the first thing they're usually seeing. They're not seeing the people behind the company. Their social media, you have to keep everyone active in all channels. But again, you have to design the posts specifically for each channel, for again, for audiences. You know, there are in link, people on LinkedIn are looking for something else. Twitter, you know, it's a different, it's a totally different ball game when it comes to the social media there. Facebook as well, YouTube, Instagram, everything. There's really you have to create specific content for the different social channels. But again, you have to be very engaging. You know, like we are seeing great, I'm seeing on LinkedIn great companies that are very engaging. Example, some examples like Gong and other companies like that, which are really, you know, I think taking their LinkedIn social media uh, marketing to another level where you are seeing the amount of engagement they got are. In my opinion, B2B usually companies are kind of struggle with when it comes to branding because you are, they are continuously putting blogs, they're putting their webinars, they're putting their, you know, um, their white papers, but they're not really showing the brand. They're not showing the company itself. Everyone loves, you know, seeing who's behind the company, who's, you know, who's, what's going on there, where, you know, usually in events, where are they, you know, what are, and like what news is coming out, but you don't want to keep it where it's just very one-sided. You want people to actually be engaging. And I think, unfortunately, you're seeing a lot of times where with companies that most of their engagement is just employees, but you want, you want to get those you want those create some leads from that from the social media channels organically if possible. Um, and, and why like, organically rather than paid? What I mean? No, you it really no. I, both I guess, have, I guess yeah. one has a cost, right? Or one has more of a cost yeah. than the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, they both have their pros and cons. Like organically, it's just like, I think that's like it's it's great, you know, as a marketer when you're like, hey, you know, this we got this customer through organic LinkedIn or organic Twitter, and then pay, you know, paid. You are reaching that you are specifically targeting, so you it, is, it has different you know, and you have different um. Way, <laughs> I'm just going to stand up because my light's gone off. But uh, carry yeah, on. That, no, it just it has to pay it and uh, has different. There's a different um, way to it, and like organic again, you know, it's when someone actually care, you know, looks the organic is. I feel like it's kind of like a warming up, a potential lead, while paid is really straight to the point get them to try to, you know, get on our site and fill out a form. 
and organic is really then warming up on throughout, you know, potentially could take months, but warming up to different content that you're pushing on social media and getting them to, to the point where they want to, you know, where they organically fill out the form themselves. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. So look, your experience across marketing across the globe, right? Yep. Um, is it one size fits all? No, not at all. Um, in my opinion, you need to customize your content per location, per, per language. You know, there is a lot of times where you see companies are targeting Germany, Spain, uh, the Netherlands, elsewhere, other countries in Europe where they're not English speaking. And, you know, you're not connecting like Germans. They don't use like, they don't, there's certain social media channels they don't use. They have their own, but like you can at least can, you can try to target them with their, in their own language. And I think a big mistake companies are making is not using the proper English because there are, when there are, we're trying to reach example, like the United Kingdom, um, they're used doing a lot of the spelling and grammar mistakes of that would, you know, Brit British like yourselves will actually say, oh, it's American English. That's not our English. And you need to really gear that content and the way you write. So we're talking writing. about the Queen's English and, and Queen. not, not Queen's, the borough of New York, right? <laughs> no, yeah. And in my opinion, you really need to just, you need to really customize the content. And also when it comes to design, you have to know what, you know, what different cultures, what connects with them, what hits them emotionally. Because if you do it wrong, if you can have a great messaging, it could be in their language, you have, it's a great campaign. But if you're using an image that they don't relate to, they're not going to click. Yep. So if I think you've just gone full circle there, because I think you started off, if I remember, right, it's like um, back 25 minutes. You started off by by saying it content in this day and age. Uh, and it's a, you know, it, it's something that everyone talks about, right? It's a little bit cliche these days when yeah. we say, you know, it needs to be personalized, but you've just given the reason it needs to be personalized there, right? So, or, or one reason, right? It's in so much as, you know, yeah. it, it's something that I can relate to. It could be in my, in my language, right? It's like, um, it could be something that I could understand it, even if there are Zs or Zs in there, right? It's like, yeah. like, <laughs> but, but it doesn't feel personalized to me, right? Because you haven't picked up on the locale, the country that I'm actually in. Yeah. And when you start talking about images, right? It's like, um, you know, images of a, uh, uh, you know, a nice golden retriever. So like, um, you know, might work well in, in one culture, but may not work well in another culture. Same with color, right? It's like, um, yeah. what one of us, you know, thinks is, uh, you know, is, is, is a nice peaceful color, another country or another, so like, um, cultural think it's a color of war or a color of aggression. So, uh, some, some great advice, some great tips and tricks there. So like, um, Zev, got a question for you before we start to wrap up or as we start to wrap up can you tell the audience something about you Zev the man that they can't find on your social profile um so since I'm I think 10 years old I've been an active drummer really yeah where's uh, the drum no, kit where's, where's it where's it now not unfortunately not here my apartment in Tel Aviv is a little too small for that but uh since I was a kid I've been playing a drummer you know, love music. I grew up in grew up in Seattle, so you had the whole grunge scene growing up. And you know, my, you know, my dad played guitar, so I really got into drum, drums, and you know, it's something I love to do. Uh, I wish I had a set here, but you know, it's not enough room. What's your favorite song to play? Favorite song to play? Oh man, you got me there. Um, there's got to be something with 
So I'm with Foo Fighters. I, I, you know, it's uh, David Grohl. Nice. He's one of my favorite. He's my favorite drummer. Um, so I think it would probably be on that kind of that range. But I, there's no, I have no specific song to love to play. No, I think no I specific like, genre you uh, you go after. Uh, usually, I'd say usually uh, rock. Yeah, that's like, just because you're a drummer. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's a permit to create a heck of a lot of noise right there, right? Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. a drummer and I like heavy metal or rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Zev, Zev. So uh, just before we we go, where can people find more out about you and more out about um, Perimeter Eighty One on on social? Okay, so Perimeter Eighty One, you can find us on all social platforms under Perimeter Eighty One. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Zev Brodsky and Instagram Zev Brodsky and LinkedIn as well. Um, LinkedIn, I'm, you know, continuously posting my different content there. Twitter as well. Twitter, I'm very active when it comes to security and I guess Seattle sports because uh, it's one of my hobbies. Um, and yeah, all, all those pretty much different networks, you can find uh, my content there. So Seattle sports, that's the Mariners, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, baseball's Mariners, unfortunately, because we haven't made the playoffs in 18 years now, I think. And Seahawks uh, is for NFL. Gotcha. There you go. See, look, I did know a little bit. It's not just about <laughs> soccer or football with me or rugby, right? But um, Zev Brodsky, Perimeter 81, content guru, podcast master. Thank you so much for joining the conversation today. Thanks so much for letting, giving me my time to provide my insights. And next time you better bring your drum kit. <laughs>